Me on? Hi. Oh, yeah, your questions. Okay. Hi. I've missed y'all. I've missed talking. Obviously, I have not done a lot of that for many of you who know. We adopted a little girl named Lyra, and she has taken up all my time. So I've done very little speaking, and I've missed it. So when Dave called and said that, you know, we're doing this series, if there's one message you could give, something that's important to you, I was like, I'll take five weeks. Because <laughs> I love a good lecture. But he said, no, I get one. And so let's see how well I do clickers. Nope. That one. That title, that strange little title is what I'm going to be talking about. I want you to take sin lightly enough to take it very, very seriously. And unless it's something that is light to you, you will never take it seriously. How do I know? Because we are a people who gasp, gossip, and hide. And you know it. I know it because I live in this world. You know it because you live in this world. We are gaspers, gossipers, and hiders. Just think about it like this. You walk into school, you see two friends, and they're kind of huddled together whispering about something. And you go up to them and you say, what's going on? You know that somebody screwed up something somewhere, right? And they're talking about it. So they lean over and they go, he said he's gay. And you know what's coming. What? Who? When? Where? Who told you? <gasps> Gasping and gossiping. She cheated on the test. What? He cheated on her. <gasps> She's bi. Well, you know, that's a firestorm of gasping and gossiping. Let's, what it means for us, especially if you're in a Christian crowd, especially if you're at a Christian school, is that we know nothing about how to deal with sin. And it's not new to us. Religious leaders, John chapter 7. They catch a man having an adulterous relationship with a woman. Guess what they do? They take her, not him, her, and they drag her into public. And they throw her at the feet of Jesus, gasping and gossiping all the way, demanding that something be done about this. What are you going to do about this, Jesus? And, of course, you know the story that Jesus looks at them and says, her sin is your sin because we're all sinners, and they drop those rocks and they leave. But we're not any different than them. Dragging people's sins into public, sharing the details of their lives, thinking about what ought to happen to them and what we should do about this. We are no different. Christians are pro-league cancel culture. Carrying our rocks around, looking for people who need to be stoned. But what do we do with our sin? Hide it. Just like in the beginning. You have Adam and Eve. They're staring at the one tree God tells them to stay away from. Eve starts thinking she knows better than God. Adam, of course, eats it right along with her. And what do they do? They hide. They cover themselves up with leaves and they go crouch down behind a bush because, you know, Jesus can't find anybody behind a bush. How silly are they, right? Except, you know, we're doing the same thing. We feel shame from our sin, and so we hide it. 
You know that sometimes we confess it. We, lo- we don't mind confessing sin when it's things like, okay, I know I shouldn't have said this, but I know I probably shouldn't have done that, but people are stupid and that's why I sinned, right? If they weren't so stupid, if they weren't like that, then I wouldn't have done X, Y, or Z. We don't mind confessing those, but I'm not talking about those. We think of those as so small and so common, and we all know we don't really mean it. I'm talking about those hidden sins that probably not even one other person knows. I'm talking about that image, that night, and what you did, those thoughts that replay over and over and over, that website you went to, that theft, that cheat, you know it. You know you have a hidden secret sin that not even one other person knows about. And what do we do with it? We hide it. And why do we do it? Same thing Adam and Eve felt, shame. And all that proves is you and I do not know what to do with the sin that's right inside of us. Our gasping and our gossiping means we don't know what to do with other believers' sins. And our hiding proves that we don't know what to do with anybody else's sins. I mean, the sins inside of us. And again, I'm terrible at clicking. So here's the third one, and I'll probably forget again. The other thing that we do, mostly in the world you see this, and that is that we make it our own. You know why they call it coming out, right? Because there's shame and there's hiding and there's shame and there's hiding, and then all of a sudden it's like, no, I am done with that. My life is my own. You call me what I tell you to call me. I am who I am. There's nothing you can do to change it. I will order my life, my truth, my body. You stay out of it. We see this happen in the world a lot, but you know as Christians that we can do it too. You have some sins that you're hiding in shame. Do you have others that you've just chosen? They are who you are, and people just need to get out of your way. But again... All it proves is we do not know how to deal with sin in our lives. Because that that they're doing, that owning it, is no different than the gossiping, gasping, and hiding. It is them trying to push away shame from their lives. And I want you to know how to take sin lightly enough so that you can actually take it really, really seriously. And as I thought about this, there are five other lectures I wish I could give you. But if I thought about it and thought, what's one thing I could tell you that would start you on the journey to realize how do we deal with sin? It's that I want you to know what Jesus has done to you and your sin so you start viewing yourself and this world differently. So we're going to look at these from the, Old, from the New Testament, starting with Romans 6. We know that the old self was crucified with him. That's Christ. We know that the old self was crucified with Christ in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Christ is not the only one who died. You were crucified with him. Your old self died with Christ. 
Why did he do that? Two so that's. So that the body of sin would be brought to nothing. So that you would no longer be enslaved to sin. You need to know this. Your sin has been brought to nothing. You no longer have to obey it. You are not enslaved to it. You have been set free from sin. And then what did he do? We were buried, therefore, with him. That's Christ. We were buried, therefore, with Christ by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Again, Romans 6. So not only did you die, you were buried. If you ever have a fear of being buried, just know it's already in your past. You were buried with Christ. And why did it happen to you? In order that you could be raised to walk in another way, a brand new way, no longer, no longer the old self. And then what did he do? But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses has made us alive together with Christ it is by grace you've been saved and raised us up and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus So not only were you killed with him, not only are you buried with Christ, you have been raised with Christ, and now we know you have been seated with Christ. And why would he do that? Because mind-blowingly, God has decided to show the world how rich in grace he is. But the way he's decided to do that is to be kind to you. He's going to show the world how rich in grace he is by committing in all of the ages to be kind to you. And then what? One final one. Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things of earth, for you have died. And your life is hidden in Christ with God. So read them all. You have been crucified. You have been buried. You have been raised. You have been seated. And now we hear that God is telling you that you are hidden with Christ right in the very heart of God. What's the one thing that Adam and Eve wanted to do? What's the one thing that we do with our sin? Hide. You don't have to anymore. Why? You are already hidden. There is no safer place for you to be than in the heart of God, already hidden in Christ. Can you feel how treasured you are? In 1 Peter 1, God says things like you are kept there. You are guarded. He tells you that all you have in Christ Jesus is kept for you undefiled, imperishable, unfading. You remember, you know what an inheritance is, right? Like it's all the riches you get when somebody dies, right? In Ephesians, 
Guess what God calls you? His inheritance. You are God's riches. How safe are you there with him? How treasured are you there with him? Can you start to get a glimpse of just how safe you are within the heart of God? So why are you hiding? Do you think he forgot you're a sinner? You think he thinks you're the second coming of Christ and you just don't want to disappoint him? Guys, you are a sinner. You have been sinning. You are sinning. You will sin. I am a sinner. I'm a sexual sinner. I'm a jealous, vengeful sinner. I'm an adulterous, slanderous sinner. But in Christ Jesus, those sins are dead to me and me to them. I am no longer enslaved to those sins. I have died with him. I am buried with him. I have been raised with him. I am seated with him. I am hidden in Christ into the heart of God. Sin has no dominion over me. It has been brought to nothing. Does that make it super fun and easy to deal with? Nope. But it does make it doable. No matter what the sin is, I can do it facing God who is the safest being in the whole universe for me. You are safe to be a sinner right in the heart of God. He gave you Christ to hide you, to cover you so that you don't have to hide anymore. And why are you gasping and gossiping at sin? Tell me, which is unusual, sin or righteousness? In this world, sin or righteousness? Sin, people. Sin is the normal. Sin is the default. It should not be gasp-worthy. Righteousness should, but not sin. Homosexuality, is that brand new? Bible's never heard of it? Murder, lust, slander, Rivalry, jealousy, envy, conceit, pride, lying. What's brand new? All of those things we do and all of those things the world does. Why are we acting like this is not just same old, same old? When you find out people have sinned, just say, yep. I mean, I get it. Like, I didn't sin like that, but I got all these others. Like, I get it. I get it. We're just the same. We all sin in one way or the other. Why not that way? But the one thing I hear from teenagers and women in my life, they will get up the courage, tears in their eyes, take a deep breath to tell me about some deep, dark, secret sin. I had an abortion, I committed adultery, I'm gay. I slept with him. And you can tell by the way they're looking at me that they expect the blows to follow. They expect the rejection that they've already felt. And when I look at them and say, hey, look at me. You get this is not a big deal, right? Like, I love you. I'm all in with you. Like, you're looking like somebody died. Like, we're okay. 
you know that your sin doesn't define you, right? You know that Christ defines you, right? Like, look at my face. It's just sin. You can tell that it's like the first time they've ever heard that. Which is crazy to me because almost all of them go here, which means they're surrounded by Christians and so many of the teenagers go to Christian schools, which means they should have heard this dozens of times all over. My attitude towards their sin should not be a shock to them. It ought to be like, yeah, that's what everybody else keeps saying too. But that's not what they hear. They hear that their sin disqualifies them from fellowship. They don't get invited places anymore. Their friends have backed out of their lives. They just don't know what to do with them. Your sin does not change what Christ has done. It's the reason for what Christ has done. And it's beyond ridiculous that we don't act like we know that when people tell us hard things. God wants to be with sinners, but what? You're going to reject them? God came to earth to be with sinners, but what? You're going to make sure your life is insulated from them? When you do that, all you do is set up a stumbling block for you and for them to ever defeat that sin. There is a way to beat it. There is a way to fight and to help others to beat that sin. But it is not gasping and gossiping. All that means is you don't know what to do. And it's not hiding. When you do that, you're like the idiots that I have to go be with during football season, again, 32nd year, in the stands who shout their opinions, which just prove they actually do not know a thing about football. My husband doesn't get to hear them because he's in the field with people who actually do know how to play football. But I'm left up here with the men who think they know how, and all they do is spout opinions about what they would do, and why they didn't run that play. And all the time, <laughs> my daughters don't like it when I confront them. I try not to, unless they get personal. But all they do is prove that they're not in the game, and they don't know how it's played. Guys, that's you, and that's me. When we walk around gossiping, gasping, hiding, owning our sin, all we prove is we're not in the game, and we don't know how it's played. So if we're going to play the game, how do we do it? We're going to start, oh, that's the wrong way. We start with this. Confess your sins. I forgot I had a monitor. Thank you. Confess your sins. Confess to God and confess to others. Even now, you can confess to God. You can say to him that you agree with him. That you know that what you have done, those thoughts, that image, that action, those attitudes, those words, those feelings, you can say to him, you get it. You know they're evil. You agree with him. And you can say, talk about your hold on it, how, how hard your hands want to grasp around it. it. You know it does not have a hold on you. You remember that, right? It, sin has no hold on you to make, it, to make you obey it. But you can have a really tight grip around it. Tell him how hard it is to pry your hands off of this. Confess that it's wrong. 
Tell him how hard it is to give it up. Tell him how much you long to be free of it. And then confess to other believers. Guys, sin grows in the dark. You have to bring it into the light. But do not expect some 13, 14, 50-year-old to get all the words right with you. If you're going to confess it to a peer, that's a great start. But don't expect them to handle this well. Tell me, tell Megan, tell one of your leaders, tell Dave, tell Tim. And watch them not gasp at you, not gossip, not tell you to hide it, or else you come find me and let me know that that's what they said, and I'll go make sure that doesn't happen anymore. Tell them. Tell someone you trust about the secret sins in your life. Tell them why you're tempted toward that sin. Tell them what's keeping you from enjoying life from it. And then learn, nope. Fight to death. Fight to the death of that sin. Fight to put it to death. Christ already killed it. You are already the winner of the game. Our job is to act like it. Run away from the places that tempt you. Get away from the actions that stumble you. Delete the app. Do whatever you need to do to start putting that sin to death. It doesn't mean forever you can't have that app or forever you can't be in that place or whatever it is. But it may mean for a month, for a year, for five years. Maybe if you're like me, with some sins, 30 years of staying away from something in order to put it to death in me. I don't drink alcohol. I haven't had a drink of alcohol since I was 22 years old. That's 31 years from now. And the reason that I don't drink alcohol is that I'm still tempted to use alcohol to escape my reality, just like I did when I was 11 and I started drinking myself to sleep. Every night, I grabbed alcohol. Every night, I grabbed alcohol until I was 22 years old because I hated my reality. I hated myself, and I wanted to be gone from me. So I would drink until I passed out. So I don't drink anymore. Why? Because I drank back then? No, because the reason I drank back then is still alive in me. And my job is to put to death what Christ already killed for me. Now hear me. There's alcohol in my house. There's bottles of vodka in my freezer. There's rum in my cabinets. There's all sorts of weird Smirnoff drinks and cooler thingies. My girls drink, so there's alcohol in my house. It doesn't mean that I can't even mix a drink for them, that I can't taste what I'm mixing. What it means is I don't have glasses of alcohol because I'm trying to put to death the old Kim's longing to escape. Now maybe for you, your sins won't take that long to put to death, but I'm betting there is something. Paul called his like a thorn in the flesh. And he said God gave it to them to keep him humble. 
that he might always be dependent on Christ. Alcohol does that for me. It reminds me I'm a sinner and I'm still longing to escape and my father is trustworthy and I'm going to put this to death till I die. I cannot do it though if I don't use the word and the fellowship of believers and worship and prayer to remind me who he is and who I am in him, to remind me of what is true and right and beautiful so that I can take that sin not so seriously where I'm whispering it, where I can just blare it to you to say, hey, this is my sin because it's dead already. There's nothing to be ashamed of. I'm already hidden in Christ. What would I be ashamed of? I'm hidden. So I can tell it to you to say this is who I am and this is where I'm at. Because there's no shame in Christ Jesus. And now I can fight. But the other thing I can do is help others. And I can be helped by you. Now you all know as you grow, you hit 21 and we're out together and you have a drink. Don't offer me one. That's how you can help me right? And if I'm tempted, you can help me remember who Christ is and what he has done and not to fall into temptation. When you hear others sinning, just shrug at them. Like it's light, like it's no big deal. Like sin is common. Like you're not surprised by it. You understand that they're going to sin. You understand you're going to sin. Your parents, the pastors, the elders, everybody's going to sin. And it's light enough that we can all actually work together to seriously put it to death. Remind them that it has no hold on them. Remind them that their sin has been brought to nothing. Remind them that Christ has bought them the ability to release their hold on it. Help them figure out where they don't trust God enough. And then guess what's going to happen? You're going to screw this up. And you're going to start gasping and gasping again. And you're going to sin and you're going to hide it. Or you're going to walk through the hallways of your school just blaring who you are and what your sin is. And everybody better get out of your way and tell you, call you what you tell them to call them. You're going to do it. And then guess what? You're going to wake up. And you're going to realize what you've done. You know what you do then? You just start over. Just begin again. Come out of hiding. Confess your sins to God because he's so safe. Because you're already hidden. Because he already killed your sin. And put that sin to death. And instead of gossiping and gasping, go back to that person and say, hey, I really screwed it up. Like you came to me to really share something deep and hard and I rejected you and gossiped about you. I'm so sorry. Can I try again? How can I help you? What are you tempted by? What about Christ do I, could I remind you of that would help you fight this sin? How can I love you well so that you don't live in this anymore? Take sin lightly enough to actually take it seriously. Does it make a little more sense now? Good. One more thing. For some of you, the reason you cannot defeat your sin, the reason that um, you're hiding is because you're actually exposed. 
Christ's death is not your death. You're not hidden in Christ. You're standing out in the open. His glory is not your glory. Because his death is not your death. You have never given up. And you have no father. And your sin has a tight hold on you. It is alive and thriving. And that sin keeps happening in your life because you think you can manage your own life and you think you can hide enough to stay accepted. And I'm telling you, your sin will destroy your life and will kill you now and forever. But it doesn't have to. All you have to do is die. All you have to do is go down in that grave with Jesus. All you have to do is put your life into his hands where it is so safe, where you will be so treasured, where he will show the riches of his grace through kindness in you, to you in Christ Jesus for the rest of the ages. All you have to do is give up and trust Christ to forgive you of your sins and to purify you from all unrighteousness. And then you get to get in the game. And you get to fight to put to death your sin, which is really light and easy. It's, sin's not a big deal. It's been brought to nothing. It has no hold on you there. So that you can take it serious enough to actually crush it. And then you can go out and you can help others do the same for the glory of God and his son. Let's pray. Father, we are asking you to um, basically do a miracle in us that you would make us so aware of our death and burial and resurrection and ascension and seated and hiddenness that we would forever see sin as you see it, dead and dying, so that we can stop gasping at it like it's something brand new, like we just can't believe it's happening. We would stop dragging people's sins into public, hoping others will cancel them with us. We'll stop owning our sin like it's some badge of honor, and we'll stop hiding our sin because we're already hidden in you so that we can actually become people who fight it to the death, that we help others fight it to the death, that we accept your righteousness as our image, and that we live as your ambassadors so we can make your appeal to the world so that when they see us, they actually get a glimpse of Christ and long to know him more and be with him more. But Holy Spirit, if you do not do the work, if you don't open the word to us, if you don't Help us to unveil the sin to the Father. If you don't bring up the confession of our hearts, we will walk in darkness. We will become people who damage the body. We will become people who damage your reputation. Change us, Father, from the inside out to be a people after your own heart. For the glory of your Son, we pray. Amen.